Have you ever thought of what the word investing actually means? It's the action or process of allocating your resources to something with an expected return. This concept is fully understood when it comes to monetary investments. But what does it look like when what you're investing in isn't a financial vehicle? What if what you're investing in is a relationship? Hey there, and welcome to the Investing Well podcast. I'm your host, Liz Sheik, but you can call me Liz. I'm an entrepreneur through and through. My husband and I, we've climbed ourselves out of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt and now are living completely debt-free. Accomplishing this wasn't easy by any means. We've made some really wise choices and we've certainly made some that we are less proud of. However, standing on this side of financial freedom, I'm here to tell you that it is possible and I'm here to show you how to do it with your God-given talents. All the while investing in what matters most, your health, family, and community. So go ahead, grab your coffee and your noise-canceling AirPods and let's get going. We have some investing to do. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Investing Well podcast. I'm your host, Liz Sheik, and I am so excited that you have joined us today. I have a impactful, powerful message and a great reminder for all of us. Today's podcast is all about how do we invest relationally. Now, before we get started, I'll let you know, if you go over to our website at www.investingwellpodcast.com slash milestones, you will get a milestone tracker. And the cool thing about this is that I have created a investing well wheel that tracks 16 of the top areas that you and I invest in every single day. The interesting thing is, is that you are investing in these aspects of your life, regardless if you know you're investing in them. And so if you would like to follow along, I would highly encourage you to go over to our website, grab that tracker, and just pop on over. I want to say it's probably on page 11. I think that's where it is, but don't hold me to it. But you will find the investing well wheel. And one of the areas of our life that we are investing in, whether we consciously realize it, we subconsciously realize it, we understand it, but we're not actively doing it, is in the realm of relationships. Specifically, today, we're going to be talking about the relationships that we have with our children. When we invest in relationships, it gets kind of tricky. Because there's not really a 100% right way and there's not a 100% wrong way other than completely ignoring the relationship. And unfortunately, in today's technology forward era, it is easier to be in the same room with somebody and have zero connection with them. So in this episode, I want to talk about how do we create that connection specifically with our kids. When you go to make a financial investment, that seems pretty easy to people to understand and to grasp. A financial investment, the currency that you are exchanging for your investment is money. It's a monetary currency. When we look at relationships, it's often a time currency. You know, any type of investment that we do is how do we allocate the time and resources we have to a given topic with an expected return? 
That is what an investment is. It is allocating your resources to a given idea or thing or business. It is allocating your resources with an expected return. If we think about the stock market, think about this. You could know everything about the stock market. You can know when it's up, when it's down. You know when it opens, when it closes. You can know every single player. You can know who's doing great, who's not doing great, who just went public, who is failing miserably. You can know exactly where to put your money. But unless you actually put your money into the stock market, you will never get a return from it. No matter how much you know about the stock market, unless you put your money in the stock market, you will never get a return from it. And that is exactly how relational investing works as well. Our children can be in our home. We can feed them. We can send them to school. We can help them with their homework. We can buy them clothes. We can provide all of the needs in their life and get them to 18 and off to college. But unless we ever invest in them, we can know everything about them and never get a return. And that's why there are so many families today who send their kids off to college and those kids have no desire to come back home. There is no connection there. There is no relationship there. And if you are in a position where you feel like you have maybe missed the boat, I want to encourage you that it is never too late to start investing. It is never too late to start investing. And so just like a financial investor would say, hey, look, you're you're never too old to start investing. The important thing is that you do it. You want to start investing. You want to see a return on your money. You need to go ahead and get money in to an investment vehicle and start doing it. If you want a relational return in your life and the relationships you have, you need to get involved. You need to spend the time and put your effort and energy and resources into building those relationships. It's never too late. So some practical ways. How are we investing with our kids? Well, first, often in relational investing, the currency that you are exchanging is time. And it is focus time, not sitting in the same room, sharing the same minutes, but everybody's on their own phone. That's not well-connected time. Investing your time is an undistracted investment into the lives of the people you love, into your children. And you can take these same principles and apply them to your relationship with your spouse if you don't have children um, or even to friendships. But I want to specifically talk about children. And so I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old as of this recording of this podcast. And it was interesting because years ago, when my oldest was about three years old, he was super sweet and he's this cute little chubby redhead. And he would he would get out of bed, he'd climb out of his little bed. And I used to be a bear <laughs> if you woke me up. I was not somebody you wanted to wake up from a, from sleeping. Um, I think a lot of moms can relate to this. You're super sleep deprived. You are exhausted from your day. You may be working out of the home. You may be working in the home, but you're exhausted. And then you don't even feel like you got a full night's sleep. And then somebody's waking you up in the morning. And I like the best way to describe was I was just a bear. And I remember waking up one morning and I yelled at my sweet little three-year-old. I yelled at him and it was as if I was It was like this out-of-body experience. It was like I was watching myself and I thought to myself, Liz, when he grows up and he thinks of who you were, 
As soon as he got out of bed, all he cared about was seeing you. That's why he came to your side of the bed first. He loves you. He wanted to see you. And you met him every morning in anger. And in that moment, if I'm honest, I cried because it was this huge self-realization that I was not investing in that relationship at all. And in the moment, I didn't think I'm not investing in that relationship. I just, I just felt bad about it. But I also knew that I wanted something to change. And literally that very next morning, I made a vow that I would never again be angry when my ch- children woke me up, ever. That I would never be angry. And, and to this day, I have not gotten angry when my children walk in the room. Now, it is rare that my children walk in the room and I'm still asleep because something changed that day. I decided that I no longer want the angry mom to be the narrative of their life. And so I made a conscious effort to say, you know what? I know my baby wakes up at 6 a.m. every single morning. And I know for me that if I am not up and I have not already had at least a half a cup of coffee or tea or something warm to get me woken up, that I'm just not pleasant to be around. And so if I want my children to walk down the stairs and be greeted with a smile and a hug and a yes, I'll snuggle with you and yes, I'll get you a piece of toast and yes, I'll do that. Like if I want that narrative to be the narrative of their life and their memory of me, then I need to get up earlier. And so I started getting up earlier and that was an investment of time that I took that I had to decide, I had to trade off the sleep, which means I went to bed earlier. So so there was a trickle effect. So many things changed. But I woke up earlier and I started to have my coffee, my tea first thing in the morning. And every morning when they woke up and they came down the stairs, they saw me and they saw me happy. And so that was a conscious decision to invest in that aspect of their life. Now, we all have a choice in how our children view us. We get to write that narrative. And the younger your children are, the more you get to mold this narrative in their life. And somebody really wise, one of my best friend's parents once told me, they said, because I asked them, what was, in your opinion, this, the reason you have such successful children? Like you have this amazing relationship with your children and both of them, she, they have one boy, one girl. And it's like, how do you have this such a great relationship with them? And they said, you know, when my children were little, we never downplayed anything that was important to them because it didn't matter if it was a video game that they liked, if it was a TV show, if there was a book they really liked. Those conversations led into conversations around how they felt about a potential boyfriend or girlfriend. And we never downplayed their emotions in any of it. Because although as adults, we look at it and you're like, oh, that's not that important. Like, you're not going to feel this way whenever you're older. It doesn't even mean anything in the overall scheme of your life. It means something to them then. And she said, we never downplayed the emotions in the moment. We showed them whatever is important to them is important to us. And as they become adults, they have that ingrained in who they are that whatever is important to them is important to us. And as adults, we get to have really amazing adult conversations of things that are of huge value in our lives because we made those connections and we taught them from a young age that their feelings and their emotions matter. And we were there. And so I thought that that was super brilliant. And I try and do that um, as I as I have children of my own. And I'm, I'm not great at it every day, but I feel like it's definitely a conscious effort that I'm trying to, to get better at. And so when I look at investing the time we have with our children, 
there's a couple things that are really, really important. We've got to do it without technology around us. It's really easy to be sitting there and our children are watching a show, whatever the show is, and for us to be flipping through our phone. Because you may not be interested in Bluey. You may not be interested in Paw Patrol or any of these other children-based shows that they're watching. But in the moment, they know if you are mentally with them watching it or if you're scrolling on your phone. And I'm not telling you that every time they sit down in front of a TV, you need to be tuned into that TV show. But you do need to have dedicated time that you are engaged in whatever activity it is that they are doing in that moment. So I'll say that the older they've gotten, it's kind of harder to do that in one sense because they, they're starting to get independent. They like to do things on their own. But every single day, no matter what, we put our phones down and for a minimum of 15 minutes, which sounds like nothing in our day, right? But for a minimum of 15 minutes, we fully focus on our kids, fully focus on our kids. We'll sit down, we'll play a board game, we play a card game, and, and we're fully focused in that moment. So I have, I have 10 things to kind of quickly go through to just give you ideas of how to create better relationships with your children. And again, if you don't have children, you can equate this to a relationship with a spouse or, you know, you can you can kind of manipulate what I'm saying to fit the relationship you're thinking of in your head. But first off, you've got to schedule quality time. So whether that is cuddling with them in bed, having a evening routine where you read books, you talk about their day, maybe that's around the dinner table, you've got to have quality time where there is no other distractions and they know they are the priority. I also suggest cooking together. I love it when my kids come into the kitchen. They both like to cook. One of my children is very artistic and creative. And the other one is he's he's just like he's my solid, right? Like he just he does all the activities just to just to be with me. So cooking together, it puts you both in the kitchen where you're focused. What I like to do is I often give one of them my phone to look at a recipe if we're following one or or we switch turns like I'll get the ingredients or they'll get the ingredients. And so cooking is really great. You guys could read together. Reading develops children's brains incredibly. Now, if you have an older child, like in the teenage years, maybe it's just that, hey, they're doing homework and you're choosing to read a book next to them and you just let them know, hey, if you need, if you have any questions about your homework, I'm going to be right here. Instead of, hey, if you have any questions, I'm going to be in the other room on my cell phone. You're right there with them. And I promise they will recognize that and they will they will feel your support and the fact that you really are there for them. Playing games. We have an entire wall of board games. We absolutely love board games. But games is a way to physically stop, put everything aside and wholly be focused in the moment together as a family. So board games are a great way to start playing together. And I'll actually put together a list of some of our favorite easy board games as a family. And my kids love to play them over and over and over again. Outdoor activities. Go on outdoor activities, go on a walk, go on a bike ride, go to the park, have a picnic. Some of these activities, they're there and they're free for us to do, to go to a park, to pack a picnic. They're not going to cost you anything going on walk. Go on a walk and ask your child to come with you. And if they really don't want to say, hey, I really want you to come with me. And then just walk, go talk, ask them how their day was. And in all of these things, turn your phone off, leave your phone at home. Our children are living, and it's crazy, they're living in a generation where they see parents in their phone. We grew up 
And for many of us who are my age or even older, we still had phones that were attached to a wall. Like if I wanted privacy from our phone call, I had to go see if the cord would stretch the bathroom. But our kids, our phones are with us all the time. and Our face is in our phone all the time. We're the first generation where our children are watching us zone out. So in all of these activities, put your phone down. DIYs and crafts. My children love crafts. My youngest more so than my oldest. He's my youngest is my artistic one. And he just loves doing crafts. He loves coloring. But crafts, super fun. Scavenger hunts. I would kind of lump that in into a outdoor activity slash craft. And then listen actively. That means put away all distractions again and ask questions to your children that are open-ended. So when, and maybe I should have said this first, ask open-ended questions and then actively listen. Don't listen to talk. That's very different. If you're only listening to your kids to correct them, to teach them to do one thing or the other, you're not actively listening to them and who they are. Ask open-ended questions. Don't ask questions that end when yes or no or good or bad. And if they say yes, no, good, bad, how was your day, good, bad, whatever, say, what did you do today? Ask them questions where they can't just say, I don't know, get more detail out of them. And if they're like, I don't know, then let them know, hey, I would really like to know because I care about who you are. I care about what you're interested in. And so I know you know something you did today. And I genuinely care to know about you. And it would mean a lot if you would share that with me. And if they're like, well, I don't know, and be like, well, can I share something with you? And share something with them. And believe me, children can understand a lot more than what we give them credit for. Include them in decisions. Obviously, it has to be appropriate decisions, but include them. When we made a move from Florida to Texas, our children were involved in this. Now, they didn't have the final say, but they were definitely involved. We talked about it as a family. We talked about the pros and cons. We talked about the things we'd be excited for and the things that we would really miss. We had these open conversations. In the moment, at that point in time, it was a confidential, a family confidential decision. And so we had not let anybody know. We asked our children at six and eight years old to keep it a a secret, and they did. And we're so proud of them. So when appropriate, speak to them as if they are an adult, not that they are a child and they have no voice. Because if we, it's like, it's like my friend's mom telling me, if we treat them like a child in every conversation, in our mind, we'll always ever treat them like a child, but their voice matters. And if we allow them to have a voice and let them know they have a seat at our table, that they matter to us, then those deposits that you are creating Those are going to grow over time. And last but not least, share hobbies with them. You may invite your children into your hobby, but more importantly, ask them what they care about. If you are a dad that loves sports and your kids aren't into sports, this relationship isn't just about you. Just like a financial investment, you have to sacrifice being able to use that money in the moment or put it into something that's going to create a longer term investment. This is the same thing with relationships. You may love sports, your children may hate them. And so you may have to let go of that portion of your life in that moment. You may have to sacrifice that your children don't love sports like you do, and that's okay. They were created for a unique purpose. They are not you. Our children are not us. They are individual people created by God to fulfill a purpose on this earth, and they have a calling on their life. And God has entrusted us as their advisors to help them 
on this path, but know that they are growing into adults. And our purpose is to help them grow into who God called them to be, not that we would force who we want them to be on. They already are who they are called to be. So sometimes you have to sacrifice what you really want to do with them and focus on the things that they want to do. Doing these little deposits in their life day in and day out. And some days you're going to be great and some days you're not. But these will compound just like financial investments. Relational investments have compounding interest as well. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that when you invest in relationships around you, they pay back. No one has ever that I've ever known or ever heard about. I have not once ever heard of a story that somebody gets to their deathbed and they say, oh man, I wish I would have put a few more hours at work. Oh man, I really wish I would have made a couple more dollars. Nobody says that. People get to the end of their life and they say, oh my gosh, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have taken them on that vacation. I wish I would have had that experience with them. Because what you see at the end of your life that it's hard to see in the moment is perspective that that our society puts so much weight on the monetary investments and such little weight on the relational investments when in reality, our life, our joy and fulfillment comes from a much fuller life than just the money we make. It's made up of our health and well-being. It's made up of our spiritual life. It's made up of our relationships. And if you have chosen to have kids, you will reap the reward and the dividend time and time and time again if you take the opportunity to invest. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want to take a minute and just say thank you for tuning in to another episode of Investing Well. My hope and prayer is that each of these episodes will bless you and leave you with practical steps, not only to creating financial freedom in your life, but tactical actions to help you build and invest in the life of your dreams, the life I know you deserve. I would love for you to join us over in our free Facebook community called the Investing Well Podcast Community. That's where we want to connect you to other like-minded people who are investing well in their lives and continue these conversations. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps us grow and reach more people on their investing journey. We truly appreciate your support and stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time, Happy investing.